My name is Lilian Ogazi, and this is Nigeria Daily. There is no fear. Poor and epileptic electricity. ASU has been raging on strike for two months now. Banditry is ravaging the country, and at the same time, airlines are threatening to shut down amidst their price hike. Prices of food are skyrocketing. Nigerians are indeed having a tough time. Are we going forward or backward? I put this question and more to a senior citizen. My name is Tafide Isamafin Irima Muri. I'm a farmer today. Mm. I was an accountant, a chartered accountant. I had my time in Nigerian Port Authority. After 35 years, I retired and went into uh, manufacturing and agriculture. Nigeria is not worse. Nigeria is not manipulated by more than 2 million people. When I was in primary one, I don't know hunger because we have food. We have slippers, we have uniform. And when the break come, we go to houses where they are dedicated to give us food, we eat. So there is no demarcation between the son of the emir, son of the rich, son of the poor. A Christian son, Muslim son, in a then Muri division in, in Adamawa province, Northeast, Bongola. We have never known all this. It's when we allow nationalists or so-called nationalists who continue balkanizing Nigeria to a level that today every word is almost a government. Impunity. All the ladders we use for climbing up when we are growing were blown off and broken down. And today you see a child of two years being slaughtered by his family neighbor. When I was a young man, I don't know who was my mother in our house. My father had four wives. The center of our house, the woman never had a child. She was the one who groomed all of us, brought us all, and still we respect and worship her. I'm the proudest person in agriculture in Nigeria. I believe we have a wealth that goes is bundled to us, and nobody is going to take it away from us. If we unbundle it, all this poverty we are talking of will be history. That is agriculture. You've experienced Nigeria. Like we, we spoke earlier, you said you're 70. So yes, you've experienced Nigeria. There was a time in Nigeria where we had free education. There was a time in Nigeria where, you know, you would go to school and you would come out and get a government job. You're most likely to get scholarship from the government and I'm sure you experienced that time in Nigeria. But currently now we're seeing so many things happening with what we're seeing that's happening now, the economy and the state of the country and with what you've experienced. Why do you think all of this is happening and do you think we're going backward for someone who has experienced the other side of the country? No, we are not going backward in Nigeria. We are not going at the rate of nuclear, but we are more than analog. We are going well and what I call every Nigerian citizen is to make sure and make a promise that he has no wire beside Nigeria. Nigeria is our country and Nigeria is good. The only problem in Nigeria is impatience, too rush, greediness. You cannot call it corruption because if it's corruption, you can define which area is the corruption developed. But when you say greed, it starts from woman selling groundnuts and paper in the market to the budgetary man who controls 16 billion to improve power and the money did not go to power and the people who set up parties and were trusted and voted into office and they could not go back and read the manifesto of the party and the promises they made to the citizens at the end of the day what we are harvesting today is the consolidation of 
of how God made us to understand that he is the owner of power. He is the center of distribution. We should be humble and go back to him. Whatever Nigeria is supposed to have, God has given it to us. That was Yeriman Muri Alaji Isa Tafida, a senior citizen amongst many others who experienced Nigeria in its glory. Well, according to Alaji Isa Tafida, greed and nepotism kept us where we are today. In practice, there is a strong relationship between economics and politics because the performance of the economy is one of the key responsibilities of governance. So, is there a political undertone to all of this? Bill Kisu Ahmed asked the political economist what he thinks. My name is Farouk Bibi Farouk. I teach political economy in the University of Abuja. Uh, certainly, these times are very uh, dear times, very difficult times for Nigerians, especially uh, the poor Nigerians. Mm. Uh, it's actually very, very difficult to make ends meet. Everything has become very expensive. And uh, I want to not really blame government 100%, but put the greater part of the blame on government policies in the last uh, six, seven, eight years. Okay. Government policies, especially those associated with IMF, that have insisted on the devaluation of the Nigerian currency, mm. the withdrawal of subsidies, and uh, the handover of most critical infrastructure mm-hmm. have been handed over to the private sector mm. because of IMF or World Bank policies. Uh, today, electricity has been privatized, for mm. example. Government does not feel it is its responsibility to fund education. Government is not investing in health care, mm. in spite of the fact that we have a president that is almost on a daily issues personally with health care. Mm. But uh, there has not been sufficient attention to health of Nigerians. And uh, the technocrats in government are those that we call the Washingtonians, including a few of them that are elected, like Nasu Erufai and recently Charles Saludo, mm. and the ministers like Zainab uh, Ahmed, and a couple of them are by nature Washingtonian in ideology. And what I mean by Washingtonians, mm. they believe 100% in the prescriptions of the IMF, World Bank, uh, mon- uh, monetary bodies. Mm. These are prescriptions that, at the best, even at face value, demean and devalue the lives of citizens of nations that are ascribed to them. There is not a single nation in the world, for example, that has come out of IMF prescriptions better off. Mm. They have always come out poorer and worse off. Okay, based on that, do you mean other countries that have come out better, those countries that we became independent almost at the same time that are doing well, are you trying to say they don't take ideas from IMF or other things from IMF? Let me uh, uh, direct you to the scenes of uh, Manhatri Muhammad, Mm. the Prime Minister of Malaysia for nearly 30 years, Mm. who built up Malaysia like Liu Kuan Yu built Singapore from a third world nation to a first world economy. That was in the 1990s when Malaysia faced economic crisis and had to seek for IMF assistance for some monetary issues. Mm. Manhatri Mohammed spoke with the IMF together with his team 
And when he came back to uh, Kuala Lumpur, he said that what he has understood them with the IMF, everything they have told you, it's very, very economically sound. Mm. And if it, you want it to work for you, apply it the other way around. Do the opposite of everything they have told you <laughs> and your economy will come out of the worst. These are people that have led countries from underdevelopment mm. to development. And like I said, find a nation in the world that is a success story of the IMF and World Bank policies. There is none. Okay. Nations that have got out of underdevelopment, Dubai, even Brazil. Mm. Look, compare Brazil and Argentina. You see that the element of development was more seen with Argentina until it became a baby of the IMF and World Bank. And today it is indebted to its head. Okay. So, so in uh, a nutshell, the government policies are the but, policies causing our backwardness instead of us moving forward. Is that what yes, you're saying? Yes, that is critical. Mm. And secondly, we have a nation where corruption has become institutionalized. Mm. That was Bibi Farouk, a political economist there, speaking. You are listening to Nigeria Daily coming to you from Daily Trust Online. You can listen to this and other episodes of our podcast on Buzzsprout, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and TuneIn Radio by searching for Nigeria Daily. You can also listen in on Nas FM 89.9 in Yola and Unity FM 93.3 in Joss. We'll be going on break Tuesday. You are welcome back. This is Nigeria Daily coming to you from Daily Trust Online. You can listen to or download our podcast on Buzzsprout, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and TuneIn Radio by searching for Nigeria Daily. In this episode, we are finding out why the country is experiencing so many problems all at once like no electricity, ASU strike, no fuel, banditry, cost of transportation and a lot of others on the list. Before we went on break, we spoke to a senior citizen who told us how Nigeria was when he was growing up and how it has changed over time. We further spoke to a political economist to know if there is a political undertone to all of this. How did we miss the road along the line? What exactly has caused all of this? A development economist tells us more. Nazifi Abdullah Idalma is my name. I'm a professor of development economics with the University of Washington. Nigeria is an economy that is operating within the global village. And happenings around the global economy actually affecting Nigeria, and Nigeria cannot actually insulate itself from this crisis. Now, the issue of increasing the prices of uh, diesel, aviation, fuel, and others, you know, is something that is outside the control of Nigeria arising from the Russian-Ukrainian crisis, the price of oil has reached uh, over $100 now. And you know, with the commercial state of our refineries, since we are not uh, producing domestically, certainly the global price increases are likely to be reflected in the import landing costs of all the types of fuel that we import into Nigeria. And therefore, correspondingly, internal prices of those goods are likely to increase. And once they increase, certainly they are going to have an effect on the quality of living of citizens because it will reduce people's disposable income. As for the crisis relating to the electricity, honestly, I don't want to make 
any analysis because what is happening in the power sector simply defied all forms of intellectual, economic, or simple logic. We can recall ourselves memory lane during the period of Eradua administration, even before Eradua came, during the period of last century, $16 billion was deducted from the consolidated revenue account, revenue from the federal government and the SS crude account in order to fund various types of power projects. Now, after that, several other initiatives have been made, the, the, the power plants, the generation companies and and the success of companies listen to power holding company were all privatized yet we have not had significant increase in electricity from the four to five to other megawatts generated and distributed in the last 15 20 years mm. so it's simply prosperous and unexplainable in economic logic for a country to spend this amount without corresponding output because the global cost of generating a megawatt of electricity at the highest level is a million dollars. So if we have spent over $25 billion in the last 20 years to generate electricity, ideally we should have in our capacity by now at least 25 to 30 megawatts, uh, 30,000 megawatts of electricity. But we are still talking about four to 5,000. Added to this is the impending food insecurity the country is facing arising from the insurgency that has rebelled the Northwest, which is which is one of the largest uh, food baskets of the nation. So you could imagine an upward increase in the number of people trying to get what to eat, but without a corresponding increase in the cultivatable and the uh, amount of food production, then you could imagine the possible crisis that the country is facing in terms of food security. And if you add to all these things, you realize that um, our country is also facing problems because our economic management structure is more or less functional at the federal level. But where actual people are deciding and the population that matter is at the state and local government. And unfortunately, uh, the synchronization in terms of equality between the federal and state government is actually very low. And until and unless you have that synchronization, certainly 100% success in terms of economic policy consumption and implementation by the federal government really need to have success. So now you've mentioned all of this now. At the stage at which we are, I mean, we got to a point where we could boast of electricity, not as it should be, but at least it was okay. But we got to a point where we didn't even experience as much fail cues as we are experiencing now. There was a point where ASU was at least a year and they had not gone on strike. Things were a bit stable. So are we going forward or backward? Don't you think, shouldn't we be past this? With the way the world is evolving? Well, actually, um, all these crises really call for sober reflection and re-strategizing in terms of policy, consumption, and implementation. But that cannot happen at the federal level alone. That should happen between the federal government and the state. The Minister of Budget, Minister of Finance, Central Bank Governor, and Attorney General, Minister of Justice, should be able to discuss extensively the state of the economy and then what specific short, medium, or long-term measures are going to be implemented in order to see us through. But as I told you, on one hand, the price of oil is a blessing disguisably to Nigeria because it means we are likely to earn more. But on the other hand, it is also a cost for Nigeria because I like it to pay more. We are not producing locally, um, we are importing. That was Associate Professor Nasivi Dharma, a development economist there, telling us more. Hopefully, there might just be light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully.
this is just growth or something big about to happen. But how long more can Nigerians survive? We wait and watch. God bless Nigeria. And that wraps up the show for now. Thank you so much for listening. To everyone whose voices we heard on the show, we say a big thank you. Nigeria Daily is a Daily Trust production and you can download this and other episodes of our podcast on dailytrust.com or bossprout.com. You can also listen in on Nas FM 89.9 in Yola and Unity FM 93.3 in Joss. If you have questions or comments or intend to sponsor an episode on Nigeria Daily, call us or send us a message on WhatsApp on 0913-893-3390. You can also reach us via social media handles on Twitter and Instagram at daily underscore trust and on Facebook at Daily Trust. I am Lilian Okazi. Thank you for listening and bye for now. 